We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are you feeling? Kai time. Kyrie time. We did our season previews for Kevin Durant, James Harden, the positional groups. We got Kyrie and then the team preview. And we're going to tackle Kyrie today. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, now when you think of Kyrie Irving from last season, what pops to mind? Just the historic nature of it, Nick. Absolutely incredible season from Kyrie Irving. 26.9 points, an effective field goal percentage of almost 58, the highest in his career, a two-point percentage of 56.1, a three-point percentage of 40.2, a field goal percentage of nearly 51, a 92.2 free throw percentage, six times as well. That uh, 4.8 boards. I thought he rebounded the ball really well uh, last year, and he's done that quite well in Brooklyn uh, overall. But uh, just one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best. And and that's saying something from a guy that with a resume as long as he has. Would have been nice for him to play a bit more than 54 games out of 72. But um, you know, for Kyrie, that's almost a, a, a pretty decent output. But yeah, an absolutely wonderful, remarkable, historic season uh, 2021 was for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like you said, I think it was the best of his career. You know, a lot of career marks, efficiency was super high, and he still had a, a shot die that included a lot of tough looks. You know what I mean? It wasn't like these are all efficient, wide-open looks from playing with, you know, Harden and Kevin Durant, and I believe he played the most out of the big three, so credit to him for that. And he didn't really miss a ton of time during the regular season due to injury. It was just kind of some of the off-the-court stuff. You know, he had that early on thing with mental health and he was at a party with no mask and then later on obviously his uh, partner had a baby as well or was pregnant so different things along those lines kind of forced him to miss time which is fine but then when it came to the playoffs obviously had the ankle injury Giannis kind of slipped his foot underneath him and it you know bent it over and it was a pretty bad sprain but it is what it is it looked like he was destined to have a really good postseason as well and maybe you know kind of finish off 
last year with another championship, and that might have even boosted him a little bit more in terms of superstar sidekicks. We can talk about that a little bit later. But what else kind of stuck out from last year for Kyrie during the regular season, Jack? The fact that, Nick, he was probably taking the most shots out of all the guys. Like, he had 20.1 shots last season. The season before that, in the absence of Kevin Durant, he took 20.8 shots. So only a .7 difference, despite the addition of James Harden and Kevin Durant. You know, there were times where he was leading the team, where he just was an absolute microwave. The fact that he's the third best player on our team, uh, you know, it just reminds you of of Golden State back in the day, you know, the Boston Celtics, you know, with their big three. Um, He might be the best third superstar in the history of big threes going around. You know, no disrespect to to Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, and and whoever else, but uh, what he produced last season, like you mentioned, and I think the defense as well. uh, I thought his defense, uh, especially when KD and and, and James Harden weren't there, uh, he showed some really good on-court leadership, uh, I I thought, and, and really setting the tone on both ends of the floor um, when the effort and engagement was there his ability to like be handsy in a positive way or get into passing lanes uh, I, I thought the defense when it mattered uh, when the game started to matter and you know, he was there by himself and he had to set a tone I thought Ky- Kyrie was actually quite good there yeah I definitely think he had some moments in games especially against some of the bigger teams just kind of showed more tenacity and just effort and energy and like you said kind of just made the the offensive player feel him with just kind of active hands popping in there for a couple steals here and there active in the passing lane so definitely some improvements from there and just some positive points in terms of moving forward and honestly like we kind of mentioned it was a career year but just you know constant highlights like I can't recall a player that's been on the nets even Kevin Durant and James Harden where Kyrie just has like nightly highlights by the quarter you know it's just constantly just really really great plays you know tough shots from everywhere on the court too it's in an array you know what I mean it's you know the pull-up threes it's the the mid-range stuff it's the layup package it's even squeezing in some passes there and obviously the handles too so Kyrie on the court is just a real pleasure to watch and just kind of just must watch TV in terms of basketball Absolutely. Uh, in, in terms of the defense as well, they career high in blocks, 0.7 blocks per game for a guy who's like six foot one, six foot two. Um, that was uh, amazing. Yeah. No, that that is really impressive. You know, obviously, like you mentioned, kind of stepping up on that defensive end. Jack, I think I know the answer to this question, but last year was a success or a disappointment for Kyrie? Oh, amazing, resounding success, Nick. And I mean, you alluded to it earlier. Why do you think this was the the best individual season of his career? I mean, we've both watched Kyrie pretty closely ever since, you know, those Cleveland sort of days. And, you know, he had some pretty good seasons in Boston as well under under Brad Stevens. And, you know, we, we're not going to get forget him outplaying, you know, Stephen Curry um, in that championship run as well. Why was this regular season uh, the best one that he's shown? I mean, is it just the reasons that we've already listed? Yeah, pretty much the reasons we already listed. And then even at different points last year, he was the kind of main guy. You know, James Harden went down for a bit. Kevin Durant was out for a bit. And also, I think another positive for him, a lot of the talk when the James Harden trade happened was, oh, you know, Kyrie's going to throw a fuss. He's not going to get a shot. It's not going to work. It's not going to be a good fit and all that. And they fit really well. So credit to Kyrie for also adjusting his game and trying to have other ways to have an impact on the court, you know, be it off-ball movement, be it cuts and kind of playing off of James Harden and that whole point guard, shooting guard thing too. So 
I think for many reasons, it was, you know, the best year in terms of regular season success for Kyrie Irving, just the efficiency scoring was still really high. And then also contributing to winning basketball on a great team. And I think he started to make his teammates better and also kind of show more leadership on and off the court last year. So, you know, I think for multiple reasons, it was the best regular season. I wouldn't say it was the best season of his career, obviously, because they didn't win a championship. You'd have to look to Cleveland 2016 for that. But maybe this upcoming year might be. Yeah, funnily enough, the, the most minutes per game that he's played since 2016-17 at 34.9. So you can sort of see the Steve Nash sort of influence there that we've discussed on previous yep. pods with, with Lucas on the lineups and such episode. And it'll be intriguing to see what his minutes load is like, what the, the philosophy is like going forward for him. But that's a discussion we'll have uh, later in the episode. Yes. Jack, obviously we kind of touched on them already, but what are the strengths of Kyrie Irving's game? Uh, look, I've got a lot here, Nick, and you know, bear with me um, having to listen to this Australian voice on a, a near-daily basis. Uh, what I wrote down in my Google Doc was an artist on the basketball court, filthy and gorgeous handle, incredible shooter, and shooting form from all areas. I think, in, in my opinion, um, whenever we see like those tweets that are going around, who has the best, who's the best shooter? Who has the best shooting form? Kyrie is, for me, probably number one. Uh, maybe even more... I don't know, more pretty, uh, or prettier, sorry, uh, than Kevin Durant in a lot of ways. Um, de- the dexterity and finishing with yep. both hands. Uh, sneaky athletic, um, you know, put him in the goddamn dunk contest for next year. We'll see what happens there. Hmm. Um, but he can be engaged defensively and, and have a real impact there on, on nights. Um, and just truly incredible footwork and, and a really nice first step as well. Um, there's probably few players in the game that use the glass uh, as well as he does and, and reads the angles and just has that... I know basketball geometry knowledge like he does. Um, and as I alluded to a, a little bit earlier, you know, sneaky good at, at picking some pockets and, and getting those passing lanes. Yeah, I summarized it a little bit quicker than you did. I said anything scoring related, on ball or off ball. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're literally a strength of his. Any basketball skill on the offensive end of the floor, he's good at. You know what I mean? And obviously people will be like court vision and playmaking. Well, that's more of like a natural talent in terms of seeing the floor. You know, I think maybe you could talk about in the weaknesses, but I think he's a very capable passer as well. But like you said, Jack, just really ability to score in any way possible and have an impact on the offensive end. Unlike, you know, many players in this league. And there was a lot of arguments last season, you know, arguably the most skilled player in the NBA. And I thought also last year his conditioning was really good. He looked like he was in elite shape. You mentioned some of the dunks. He looked a little bit quicker. You know, obviously it's not like he's over 30 or anything like that, but just kind of entering the prime of his career, he really looked just like the best version of Kyrie Irving in a lot of different ways. And like you mentioned too, defensively, quick hands. I think his feet are pretty quick, has a good understanding of the game. Just so many different things in terms of basketball skill and what he does and just the way he kind of plays the game. It just really sticks out. We And like you said, we could kind of break down the list for almost an hour in terms of like the individual details of his skill, just from the array of handles he has and the different ways he can score in a basketball court. Like you might see Kyrie Irving score, you know, 15 field goals in a game and they all might be completely different field goals. You know what I mean? They might, you might not see two of the same shot just because he has so much in his bag and so much in his package. So really a lot of strengths for this guy. But if you were talking weaknesses, what sticks out, Jack? Before I get to weaknesses, your boy Mike Gaines will be happy about the fact that, that maybe he's the most skilled player ever. I mean, <laughs> uh, obviously listening over in Monaco right now, I'd be happy something to hear that. <laughs> Finally, something that Nick Faye and Mike James can agree on. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, Nick, I basically had to um, pick and roll defense. You know, he can get really attacked there yep. um, when he's not focused or, or engaged on that end of the floor. Um, and there are times when he can hijack the offense a little bit. Now, 
the Nets have such great isolation scoring in general. When you've got James Hunt and Kevin Durant next to you, the only two players in the game who might be better than him, other than you know probably like a Damian Lillard or a Stephen Curry, um, it, it just shows that you know his awareness sometimes um, can be you know not on point. But you know th- those moments are generally few and far between, but they do happen. And um, so that, those are the two things that I did pick out. And I'm not really one that does say like you know you know he's not he, he gets tunnel vision. He's like too much of a, a scorer. Like he's a Jordan Clarkson or I know Cam Thomas um, <laughs> to, to sort of um, compare to a guy that we currently have on the roster. I, I just think that it's the pick and roll defense and um, getting a bit shot happy sometimes. Yeah, and then on the pick and roll defense, I think it's kind of correlated to size because he'll get cleaned up by a screen. You know what I mean? The screen will take him out of the play, and he's in a position where he can't even trail. So I think that's probably a weakness in terms of the defense. I think defensive consistency, too, like we kind of talked about, he'll turn it up for the big games, the big matchups, but occasionally you'll have you know a rough game where he's not really putting a ton of effort in on that end of the floor. And like you said, some of the bad shots, and it's really hard to complain about this because he can hit them, and he can hit them at a really high rate. Like we're talking about a guy who just had a 54 40, 90 season and I would say 25% of the shots were probably quote unquote bad shots and he still was able to hit them but again like you said when you're playing in a on, on a team with Kevin Durant and James Harden but also some of the other role players like a Joe Harris you know a Blake Griffin these guys that can also contribute too I think it's important to realize that offense can be easy sometimes like you don't have to make it so hard obviously he's capable of doing that but given the guys in this team sometimes it's just easier to move the basketball or play off of your teammates yeah, when there are sets and movement actions, the Nets are generally unstoppable. Yep. Now, they're pretty unstoppable when the three of those guys do ISO anyway. But uh, I guess it's the, the timing, the nature of those those isolation possessions. You know, is the, the clock winding down, you know, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1? Or is it, you know, still in the, the 20s and, and the late teens? So it's, I, I think that Kyrie can make the, the bad look good, and he's done that and made a goddamn career out of it as you alluded to, with, with his skill and shot-making ability. But there's times, and and for me, it's not necessarily like, he, you know, do that in the first quarter, do that in the second quarter. Yep. It's just times in, like, the fourth quarter where it's just like, my dude, KD's, like, got the last 10 points. Like, feed the dude in the post and let him just keep cooking. Um, yep. Yes, I think, does that mean that Kyrie's a selfish player? No, I just think that sometimes it's a, it's an awareness issue. And, um, and, and you know, there's, there's a few mouths to feed, um, and all three guys are hungry, and all three guys uh, can produce at, at a high-quality level uh, when the moments do matter. Yeah, I think uh, some of the shots that popped to mind when you mentioned that, Jack, is kind of just like pull-up threes in the fourth quarter sometimes early in the shot clock where you know the team might be down a couple points and he tries to get it back like so fast where it's like, you know, we have time here, you know, run the offense, run a set, give it to KD, give it to James Harden, whoever it might be, just kind of relax for a second instead of just trying to be like so high-sprung and trying to get that basket right away. But anything else in terms of the weaknesses? No, Nick, and I just wanted to point out in terms of the assists, the last three seasons of his career – Six um, six assists per game last season, 6.4 the season before, and 6.9 in his final season in Boston. So basically across his entire career, it's six assists or more for Kyrie Irving. And you know, there's times in, in 15-16 where it was 4.7, obviously playing alongside LeBron James, uh, who's generally going to be the main uh, ball handler and facilitator. Kyrie makes the right play when it needs to be made. Um, you know, and, and I think on a team like the, the one that we do have right now, you know, Joe Harris kick out passes, um, you know, Bruce Brown cuts and all those sort of dudes. You know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, James Harden obviously, Kevin Durant as well, um, and Kyrie Irving can all make the, the right pass at the right time. 
Yeah, and that's a great point, Jack. It's not to say that he takes these bad shots all the time. Like we saw numerous times in the postseason, he made that extra pass where he might have had an okay to good look, but then he got maybe an excellent look for Joe Harris wide open in the corner. So things along those lines. And I think that's something that he's kind of improved on as he's grown as a player. But where would you like to see him improve this upcoming season? Look, for me, Nick, it's the the elephant in the room, and it's a, yep. it's a pretty big elephant. Um, it's availability now. Yep. And and the reasons I guess behind that availability, I don't care. Like if you, for me, like last season, I was a, a massive advocate for taking time off for those mental health reasons. You know, uh, we've been big advocates for for general mental health and and well being on this podcast and on the Blue Wire and, and uh, the OTG Network. But the other reasons behind, in terms of like you know seeing him partying with the the maskless and and, yep. and you know what's happening now with the vaccination status, I don't. No, and a part of me is getting beyond the point of caring uh, about the questioning and stuff. I just want to know when it's the the the, the, the extracurriculars and and, the, and everything behind that is is resolved. And if Kyrie takes ten games off this year because you know he wants to take paternity leave and 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 be with his his partner and and, and be there and to support her, cool, go for it. Um, it's just that sometimes and look, James Harden's guilty of this as well. What what he was doing in Houston, seeing Masler said. Um, adult establishments wasn't necessarily the best thing you want to see in the world. So I think it's just, and obviously he is a semi-injury prone player uh, and obviously a, a pretty serious ankle injury. Now, how yeah. does that affect him going forward? Because he's always had you know some ankle and, and foot issues in general. Never really been a muscle injury sort of guy. Um, you know, that's probably more KD and, and now James Harden with his, with his hamstrings. So I think that how the Nets manage him going forward, um, the, the load management in, that pertains to Kyrie Irving specifically, you know, how they keep those ankles nice and fresh. You know, the Kyrie 8s are looking pretty good. Um, I know that he's enjoying them now. I'll probably have to cop a pair soon enough too. But availability is the number one thing, Nick. And availability is going to be the, the massive reason why the Nets are going to win or lose this year's championship. And it's not just Kyrie. It's Katie and it's James Harden as well. Yeah, and that's probably the main reason they weren't able to achieve the goal last season. You know, guys weren't available, and that was due to injury. I think to summarize kind of what you're saying, Jack, I just say, like, redu reduction of the drama. Like, the, just the off-the-court stuff that's not needed. Just be direct and to the point. Obviously, the media picks on him, but he gives them reason to. You know what I mean? There are times where he just kind of makes a fuss about things or is just constantly in the headline. Obviously, this whole vaccine thing has been an ongoing thing for a couple weeks now. Like you said, hopefully we have a solution by opening night, or at least we know what to expect in terms of, okay, he's going to get the vaccine, he's going to play every game this year in the playoffs when healthy, or he's not going to get the vaccine, he's going to miss all the home games, not be able to practice with the team and only play the away games, which obviously would be far from ideal, but we just need to kind of know what's going on and just kind of allow the team to focus on what they need to do in the goals of the season because I do think and to some extent it's going to be a distraction like as much as the Nets can be, be full of veterans and all these things it still kind of gets annoying and I feel like you can sense frustration maybe from some of the players and the coaches just in terms of that constantly being questioned not in regards to what's happening at training camp or going on with the team it's like where's Kyrie when's he going to be ready is there an update on that situation and you just don't want that being a, a thing lingering along like you want it settled before the season starts. Yeah, I think it's just the semblance of the unknown, you know, just yeah. not knowing. And, and and I think that that's with, with anything, you know, not just, you know, Kyrie Irving. In stats. terms of his value for this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've spoken about on previous episodes, Isaiah Thomas, you know, said this to the basketball news, you know, can the Nets win a championship without Kyrie Irving? I don't want to have to answer that question. Yeah. 
Um, but my, in my ideal world, Nick, you know, the, the final preseason game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, Friday, October 15, my time. I believe that's Thursday night, October 14, your time. That would be, um, you know, you want to see him get a few reps. I, I hope KD and, and James Harden get a few reps as well uh, in the final preseason here or against the city because it is away. Um, so maybe if he is playing that, then he it doesn't really uh, necessitate him being available for the Timberwolves game as well. But yeah, sooner rather than later, um, it, it's a, it's almost tiresome just seeing it and uh, hearing the question time and time again. Uh, I think the players are fine with them. We've heard you know, Kevin Durant and, and all the other guys say that it's not a non-issue for them. Um, we're hearing uh, at training camp that the players continuing to warm to Kyrie Irving. As always, his mentorship has been invaluable for guys like Cam Thomas uh, and the other young guys. But let's just see how it pans out. And, and hopefully, by the time this preview has dropped, uh, you guys can skip past the, the, the two or three minutes that we've spent discussing this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, we like to focus on the basketball more than off-the-court stuff. In terms of that, in the basketball aspect, we kind of mention it, you know, maybe clean up some of the tougher shots or allow the offense to maybe come to you a touch. Um, I think defensively, maybe just trying to be a little bit more consistent on that end or calling for help when you get into some of these bad situations. You saw occasionally last year he'd kind of get ISOed on or posted up and he'd, you know, kind of wave off the help defense and try to take on the guy when he doesn't have the size. You know, let that help come in and kind of get the ball out of there or accept the switches. Something he'll do off ball is like he won't switch with a big. He'll be like, I got this where he really doesn't. And that's something where you just have to be a little bit more accepting of your weaknesses. 
Yeah, and and sometimes Kai thinks he can do it all, and he can do almost all of it. Um, but no player is perfect, even though we have Kevin Durant on this team. Uh, Kevin Durant can be perfect for games, just not the entire season. But <laughs> um, role for this team next year, obviously, is going to be a starter. He's going to be kind of that sidekick superstar. We're not necessarily having the ball in his hands a ton unless it's kind of scoring or playing off the other guys. Anything else you're kind of envisioning for his role next year and where he's going to have the biggest impact on this team other than scoring? Look, if you look back to last year, Nick, you know, a lot of his minutes were generally aligned with, with Kevin Durant. It was yep. you know, him uh, with the starters and James Harden and then him and KD with the, the second unit and, and James Harden, uh, his minutes were, were isolated to, to the backups as well and to the reserves. Um, I'm wondering whether that does continue or whether Steve Nash does experiment with, you know, Kyrie Irving and James Harden lineups or Kyrie Irving solo lineups. There will be, I mean, we obviously did see that because of the, it, it was forced upon them because of injuries yeah. and, and load management. Um, but the success the team can have um, with Kyrie Irving by himself is, is pretty good. It's it's just going to be, you know, where where it goes going forward. You know, what is his role going to be like in terms of, I don't know, do you think, do you expect Nick in an 82-game season, Kyrie Irving to play 70 games or more this year? I think that that's when talking about his role um, and, and speaking about availability, harking back to that. What do you think the, the over-under is on the amount of games that Kyrie Irving will play this year? Yeah, I think it's unlikely he plays in the back-to-back, so that's kind of like 10 off rip off the top, if not more. Well, I think that's around how many the Nets have. Um, and then obviously, you know, I think every NBA player for the most part suffers a sprained ankle or something along those lines throughout the season, so maybe dock off another 10 games. Maybe we're looking, you know, mid to low 60s, if I had a guess, and I think I'd be fine with that. That's kind of around the average that he typically plays you know recently yeah look and it's when you're looking at you know last year he played 75 percent of the game so if you're gonna do and he hasn't played more than than 70 games more than three times uh, across his career across his 10 season career you know the the last time he played 72 games was in 16 17 in cleveland 67 in 18 19 in boston if you put let me do 0.75 times 82, and let's see what that gets out to. I'm literally doing an online calculator now. I'm, my, I'm not that smart. 62 games, 61 and a half games. So over under 60 games, uh, I'd probably go just over. Um, I hope yeah, like he's about 63. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, a, a part of me, I, my ideal number for, for Kyle would be 65, 65 to 68. I think that's a, a nice availability for him. And, and you know, you at the start of the year, you know, get him, get his his legs under him. Obviously, he's likely to be an all-star, as will James Harden and Kevin Durant. So you need to find ways to rest them. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, I, I can't see more than 67, 68. I think that if we see 70 this year, but he has also said, you know, in Instagram Q&As and all this sort of thing that, you know, he's, he's up for his biggest season of his career, he's motivated, all these sort of things. Um, we're not going to discuss the possibilities of you know only playing 41 games. That's just a, a stupid discussion to have. But in the 82 game season, I will go. Give me a. What's your number, Nick? I'll go with 64. I'll go with 63. One. It's like the price is right yeah. now. Well, we're just you go, said oh, over and under at 62, and the, just 63 just like feels like it's going to be the right number. 
63 uh, seems well, it's not really a round number but neither is 64 so yeah uh, if you guys have different feelings or you think we're being a bit harsh on, on on Kai in terms of his health and availability status feel free to hit us up you know at the JMAJBT uh, at Nick underscore Faye so it'll be interesting to see how it does all pan out with his availability because it's always been an issue it's like him Anthony Davis these sort of guys that are sort of not the 1A prime superstars on teams uh, and even Paul George now having to yeah. take the mantle of a sort of lead superstar. Um, and, and like you said, Nick, we could come out in this season. He plays 70 games. He's more available than Kevin Durant and James Harden. I would not be surprised at that. I'm trying to balance all factors in, in like you alluded to, that there's likely to be a sprained ankle here or there, a rolled ankle, a, a load management night here or there. I think we'll play some back-to-backs, at least the home ones. Like if you're going up against New York and then Brooklyn and you're back home against the team, then I think you could play those ones. Um, so, yeah. I think he'll play as high as 69. Um, nice. Um, but I think, and, and maybe as low as, you know, in those mid 50s. Yeah, I think that's fair. It, obviously, there's so many different variables. And obviously, like you mentioned, he's had health concerns, had other off the court stuff. So who really knows? But in terms of availability during a game, how many minutes do you anticipate him playing a night? Yeah, look, it's interesting because that's what I alluded to just then. 34.9 minutes, uh, the most since his 16-17 season where he played 35.1. And the season before that, you know, he played even less at 31.5, which was the, the least since his rookie year. Now, in ideal world, like you've alluded to before, the Nets are blowing out teams, Golden State, Milwaukee style, and he can play 32 minutes a night. But I think it's going to be, I'm going to steal ideas from someone smarter than me, what Lucas Kaplan said that the minutes will be in the 33 to 35 range, um, but the load management will happen like you've sort of mentioned there. So I'll go with late 33, 33 and a half. Yeah, I'll go with 34. I think around last year, I think it'll be same scenario. And overall, Kyrie maintained his health throughout the season and throughout the postseason. It was just kind of an unlucky event. Like we talked about Giannis's foot slipping under there and, just bent it the wrong way. There's not really much you can do about that. You play 15 minutes a game. That's not really going to change if you sprain your ankle in that situation. So I think 34 minutes. And like you said, there's going to be some load management in there, like we alluded to with the game count. But uh, Jack, give me a prediction of a stat line. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll look at what he produced last year. And I think that he could be the, the team's highest scorer again. I think it, it, it'll be 26 points. I reckon it'll be... Five and five point eight assists. I don't want to give it six because I think Harden, if he's more available, will get an extra one or two there. He, like we alluded to on his preview, he could have anything as high as twelve or thirteen assists a game. Um, and for me, the efficiency is the funny thing. Can he replicate a fifty forty nine a year? I don't see why not. You know, it, it, it's if you have if you have the other guys there more available, then it's only going to lead to easier shots for you. Um, yeah. And he is one of the best free flow shooters in the league. I think of him. I think of Stephen Curry. Uh, you think of a guy who's uh, now coaching our team in that respect in Kyle Corver in a historical sense. So I Nash. think that, and Steve Nash as well, you know, the last two seasons, he has shot identical free throw attempts, you know, in 92.2. I, I guess as a a, a, a little tidbit, Nick, in terms of the attempts from the free throw line, getting to the line, you know, we always, we know Kyrie Irving is an, a wonderful mid-range shooter, um, and has you know really great dexterity with both hands in terms of his finishing. Do you want him to get there more? Because you know, the, funnily enough, the the season his career high was two years ago at five point one. Uh, that came last year uh, to uh, four point zero. 
Where do you want that number to be? Do you, uh, do you want him to be more aggressive? Do you want the Nets overall to be more aggressive? Because the efficiency when any of our three guys get to the line, it's the it's threes and it's free throws. That's the most efficient level of basketball that you can play. Um, but you know their mid-range shooting is also uh, absolutely insane as well. Yeah, and obviously when you shoot free throws, it allows the defense to get set up and kind of makes things a little bit easier on that end of the floor. I mean, I think during the regular season... I don't really care as much, you know, four, 4.5, whatever it might be. When it comes to the postseason, getting to the free throw line as aggressively as you can, I think is more important. Obviously, you're not getting as many calls, but I think also, you know, getting more contact, especially with the bigger bodies in the paint, can lead to more injuries. So I could understand why you may be a little bit less aggressive during the regular season. But then when it comes to games that matter or big situations, you might attack the paint a little bit more. So I think anything in around the four range is cool with me. And in terms of the efficiency from the free throw line, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same number again. Yeah, no, I, I can't see him shooting anything less than 88% from the free throw line. Yeah. He's... Yeah, there was ones where I think he's gonna he's gonna be the best free throw shooter on this team. You know, when the, yep. the technical fouls come, give that ball to Kai. Um, yep. KD is amazing, but KD was and I mean we spoke about I think it was like eighty seven point five percent. I'm like, oh, I thought it would have been less because there just seemed to be the timing of it. And and look, I think that that's one thing Kernan did really really well in terms of his aggression to get to the line. Um, I think his three level scoring was the best of any of our guys last year. Yep. James Harden obviously has the volume from three, um, the the wonderful quick flo- quick floater that allows the lob throw as well, and Kyrie Irving rivaled Kevin Durant as as a mid range shooter and, and as a tough shot maker as well. But Kevin Durant's three level scoring is basically what you want out of any NBA player. And obviously, he has the size and the capabilities to that, but Kyrie Irving has the capabilities as well um, because I think he's he's quicker and lighter on his feet. I think a little bit more than Kevin Durant. His handle is obviously the best that we've ever seen, I believe. So that just gives him an advantage to attack a little bit more. Um, but I think these guys are also just incredibly savvy and intelligent players when it comes to offensive basketball. And they take what the offense is giving them. They know what shot is available to them. So they don't need me to tell them, get to the line more. Some dude with a, a weird Aussie accent at Barclays Center is uh, yelling out to, to Kyrie Irving. Um, maybe he'll be happy to hear an Aussie accent uh, because the man is an Australian citizen. Um, at least he, his birth certificate says so. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you made a good point, Nick. I, I think it's about the, the timing of it. And as long as the, the, men, the right mentality is there, the numbers will take care of itself. Yep, I agree, Jack. And in terms of my stats, I got around 25, 5, and 5. And I think he's going to replicate the 50, 40, 90 season just because I think this year will be easier. And just like an underlying factor is he has better screeners this year in terms of just more guys that can set picks that'll be playing. And hopefully other guys kind of step up in that area too. And I think he'll also have a better understanding of playing alongside James Harden and Kevin Durant. So like, obviously teams are going to give him the least amount of attention compared to the other two. So it should just lead to better opportunities and more, you know, efficient looks for him. Who do you think is more likely to have a 50-40-90 next season? I might put this out as a poll next um, when this drops uh, to. Uh, who do you think is more likely to have a 50-40-90 uh, season? Is it going to be KD or do you think it'll be Kyrie? I probably would say Kyrie just because, like I just said, I think he's going to get less attention. I think there's more of a question with KD in that 90% uh, free, free throw mark where I think we feel more confident with that for Kyrie. But you could definitely make an argument that you might feel more confident for KD from the 50% from the field. You know, obviously Kyrie's had some really efficient numbers from the field, but still, you know, shooting 50% for a guard is really incredible, especially with, like I mentioned, the shot diet that he does have. 
yeah, they're both incredible players. I'll, I guess I'll go with KD just because of the fact that I think the outlier of the free throw shooting was a mild aberration. And I think that, you know, his, he was, what, 45% from three last year. I, I think it... 40%, I don't think he'll be anything less than 30, late 38, if not 39. I'd probably, like we did in our prediction, you know, 41, 42 from there. It's going to be about the free throws. And I think that uh, I'm actually predicting that he'll have it. He's had a 50, 40, 90 season before Kevin Durant. So yep. just for the, the sakes of uh, point of difference, because uh, we're normally on the same page, I'll go with KD. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility both guys could realistically have it. I don't even think that's like a crazy hot take, just given the offense and how talented they are. And that'd be really incredible. And I hope it does happen. Big time. But uh, Jack, any other predictions in terms of the season for Kyrie? Like any stats or something that sticks out to you that you want to get out there? Not really, Nick. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a, a pretty goddamn efficient season from Kyrie Irving. As I alluded to at the start of the pod, the most efficient in terms of effective field goal percentage uh, for him uh, last year. Um, and like you alluded to, you know, and if we're talking about the 50-40-90 season again, one, two, three, four, five seasons across, the, like half of the seasons that he's played, he's shot 50-40-90. And his rookie season, he shot 39.9%. So, uh, and the season before, and sorry, the last, not last season, but the season before, he shot 39.4%. So it's a... Uh, I think that we're, we're pretty on the mark in, in the fact that this guy will have a pretty efficient season. It's just going to relate to his availability um, and, you know, hitting the sh- hitting the shots at the right time and, and not taking some of the, the ones that could hamper those percentages because um, he is one of the most... I think that that's what he doesn't get enough credit for is his efficiency. Everyone yeah. sort, of, sort of sees the highlights and we ask Lucas this question. Um, obviously, there's a few people who know Kyrie Irving's game better than Lucas Kaplan. Um, that he just it just goes to the wayside because the the house of highlights and the bleacher reports and all the Instagram pages and Twitter pages just love how that handle looks. Ball don't stop, whoever it is. Uh, the handle looks nice. The the crazy wizardry with the ball in his hands. It, it's it looks better than you know shooting you know ninety five percent from the line, ninety two percent from the line, whatever it is. So. Yeah, I think that he needs to get more credit for his efficiency. Um, I think he's going to have an incredibly efficient season. Um, I just want him to be available um, for as many games as possible. You know, I'd, I'd love it if he played 75 games. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessary. Um, but as long as he's available for the 16 wins that we need in the postseason, it's all gravy. Yeah, obviously that's the most important thing at the end of the day. If he does miss time in the regular season, that's cool. Make sure he's 100% by the postseason. And like we kind of mentioned, eliminate some of this off-the-court attention and kind of just get it more focused on basketball. Um, Jack, who are you looking forward in terms of seeing Kyrie play with this year? Obviously, you know, discluding, not including um, Kevin Durant and James Harden would be the next guy up you're excited to see Kyrie kind of play with. Nick, do you even know me? Like, do you even know me, Nick? Like, why are you even asking me this question? Well, there could it's... be a couple options here. I mean, Patty Mills obviously is a favorite here, but his other uh, two-man combination, which led all two-man combinations for Kyrie last year, Nick Claxton, at plus 10.4 per 100 possessions, could be another guy. Obviously, we know the off-the-court bond those guys have together. I don't know. You might be excited about that. Look, you basically picked the, my two favorite role players on this team. And, you know, if you, if you threw yeah, out Joe Harris, it'd just be yeah, like, I was okay. going to say, that's disrespectful, but... We, we, look... We, we, it is, people, it's, people it's, move on. <laughs> it's Patty Mills, uh, I, and the only and the reason why is because these are two small guards that are, and there's something about guys that aren't you know six foot eight, six foot ten bruises or 
you know, monstrous athletes, but are still just immaculate when they have the ball in their hands as shooters, as distributors, as decision makers. And both of those guys can do it. Now, what is the perimeter defense going to be like? I don't know. But <laughs> if you have clacks in that back line, that three-man combination is uh, the ideal that I'm looking for. So, look, it, it's uh, it's an Australian connection that I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, Kyrie Irving should have a bronze medal uh, in his collection uh, too if he was playing alongside uh, the greatest indigenous and probably one of the top five Australian athletes uh, in our rich, rich history. So it, it's got to be his Australian brethren in, in Paddy Mills and... If you haven't checked it out yet, guys, really, really awesome article um, with the the Age and Australian publication that you guys can find online uh, that talks about Paddy Mills and you know just the the reason why I love him is everything in that article. It's just del- delves deep into uh, Patrick Mills, not the the basketball, but the person. So, and I love Pat- and I also love Kyrie for what he does as well. So I think that there'll be a, a kinship in terms of this their ability to impact the. Uh, their fellow man um, and their fellow woman. Um, they just have a, a great desire um, to just be good people um, in, in the greatest sense of things. We know all the philanthropy. Uh, we are one of the few publications and a few outlets that do mention that about Kyrie Irving. So I think that there'll be a bond there between those two um, that I think will be pretty special. Yeah, and I mean, on the court, it should be super fun and just a ton of pressure on the other team. Like, uh to handle those two guys back there. Like you mentioned, defense might be questionable, but both guys have you know, quick hands, can make a couple plays here and there, definitely undersized, but can score very quickly. And I'm intrigued by the synergy that they could possibly have. In terms of you know the bigs, Jack, which guy are you, mo- let's exclude Claxton from this, between LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and Paul Millsap, who are you looking forward to see Kyrie kind of mesh with? I'm intrigued by Paul Millsap, but that's probably because I'm intrigued by Millsap in general. general. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think that uh, look, Blake is a Blake has shown that he's a wonderful, you know, DHO sort of guy. You know, awesome dribble handoffs and yep. a, a really good screener. But you can make a, a, an argument that Millsap might be better. He might be a, a bit stronger, a bit sturdier. Um, a bit more of a liable presence there. Plus, I think also the his defensive, you know, work and, and defensive acumen. You know, obviously, it's it's one as of this time of recording. It's only one um, preseason game, but I expect him to take what he he showed there into the regular season. So I'm by by Paul Mills happen. Look, I think it'll also be fun to see him in LA, LMA, just mid range in uh, teams to death. I think that'll be a lot of fun too. Yep, I agree, Jack. I think just like you said, Millsap is intriguing so many different ways and kind of see how that fits. And then obviously just all the different guys. It looks like we did just get some uh, breaking news that we'll touch on at the end. But Jack, anything else in terms of questions for Kyrie? Um, what do I have here? I, I, the contract talks, Nick. I, I sort of put that out there and we've discussed on different pods here. You know, Joe side news, all, all little tidbits um, and such. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that does all pan out because... Obviously, his status is different to, to James Harden's. You know, James Harden can make $100 million more if he does put off his, his contract until next year. Um, we did hear Sean Marks, you know, obviously say that he's confident about these guys. But, you know, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, uh, as human beings, are just absolutely entitled to just change their mind. They don't have to, to sign it. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty comfortable in the fact that they want to be in Brooklyn because they want to... Kyrie Irving, one, being... You know, the, the dumb rumors about him saying, you know, if he, he gets traded or if he's on another team, he'd rather retire than not play for Brooklyn. So the desire to be in Brooklyn, the desire to be with be with a near family and his best friend in Kevin Durant, 
I think that the contract talks will sort themselves out, um, but there's obviously some things behind the scenes that need to be to be sorted first. So if you were to bet your house on it, if I don't like doing the gun to your head thing, but you know what, I'll put a gun to your head, Nick, because I don't know, you, you annoyed me a little bit uh, on this pod, telling me that I'm not liking Joe Harris or I like Paddy Mills too much or whatever, asking me dumb questions. Gun to your head, Nick. Who signs the extension? Loyalty, for- Jack. Loyalty. I don't know. I hope you don't throw me to the side like Joe Harris. God damn. Um- <laughs> yeah, I'd like to, to, to go to the Athletic or some other podcast network to to get uh, some other co-host for me. Or maybe an Australian. Who knows? There might be some other fans <laughs> out there. Um, but in, in all honesty, Nick... Um, Jokes aside, oh, this isn't that serious of a question, but in general, who do you think is more likely to sign their contract first? Do you think it's the beat or do you think it's KAI? Yeah, I think both guys aren't going to sign the extension before free agency because I think both guys could end up getting more money. Um, I feel more confident with James Harden signing this extension because I also think that there's a possibility where the Nets might not be interested. If Kyrie does not get vaccinated and only plays half the season and continues to have this uh, lingering you know, problem all season long, I think it could definitely rub Joe Sy the wrong way, who we kind of mentioned had some strong comments about it uh, a few days ago. So I think that's definitely correlated. So at this point in time, I feel more confident with James Harden. If Kyrie's vaccinated, I think it's pretty even. Yeah, I, I think we go by what James Harden has said. You know, what James Harden has said is that he wants to be in Brooklyn and that, you know, he, he loves being in Brooklyn. And you know, some people have taken some of his com- comments out of context. You know, obviously the national platforms will take little tidbits rather than what he's fully said to Malika Andrews or to, to Nets Media or to the Yes Network um, about his desire to be a Brooklyn Net for the, the long term. Whereas when Kyrie was asked about it, you know, he was pretty dismissive of it um, in uh, the the Nets media day. So, you know, if it was a it was a question that I thought we had a pretty easy answer, but I think it was just the general nature of of what the interview and and the environment that that surrounded it that probably made him a, a little bit dismissive of it. So, yeah, I think the beard is probably the right answer, Nick. But it's so many things can change uh, with this team, you know, in an instant and and quite rapidly. So. Wouldn't be surprised uh, if Mr. Andrew Irving um, signs on the dotted line soon as well. Yeah, I mean, they could be connected. I mean, he could get vaccinated tomorrow and sign the contract extension tomorrow. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. And like you said, you know, guys can change your mind. I feel pretty confident, though, that this big three will be sticking together for the most part. And we're going to be seeing them in Brooklyn for a long time. But, Jack, any other big questions surrounding Kyrie or anything that you want to kind of discuss narrative-wise? Now, all the questions that I've got here, Nick, in terms of like issues beyond basketball, can he replicate the season from last year? Will the immediate attention on him be as great? I don't really want to discuss that one. Will he silence, silence the naysayers? Look, there's a, a lot of just general sort of talking head sort of stuff that I think takes care of itself. But I'm just... Uh, just to speak about the, the basketballer uh, of Kyrie Irving um, and to just hark back to previous experiences, been lucky enough. Uh, one of my great and most fond basketball memories of being at Barclays Center is seeing Kyrie Irving, you know, duel one-on-one with with, with um, Brandon Ingram in a performance that, you know, in a game that probably shouldn't have been as close as that as it was, but it was just a, a wonderful game to, to just be at. And I'll, the oohs, the ahs, and I was just, Kyrie Irving, I was expecting Kyrie Irving to hit everything. And, you know, in my preparation for this pod, you know, a couple of nights ago, going through some of the highlights from last year, the way that he just makes defenders look foolish, um, and then obviously, you know, what he did against Chicago in that little burst, which was one of the most efficient and crazy first halves and halves of basketball that I've ever seen. 
Um, he's a special, special player, Kyrie Irving. So um, I, I don't take for granted that he, he wears the number 11 for my basketball team. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to see his first game as a net against the Timberwolves. Obviously, the Nets fell short in that one, but still a really great performance. And like you mentioned last year, just a ton of highlight plays and just a lot of big moments and also just some big moments in the postseason, too. Obviously, he had the injury, but he still was playing really well and looked like he was going to have another big postseason. Jack, in terms of that, what would the championship mean for Kyrie Irving if he had, you know, I don't think he'd have the historical postseason he had with the Cavs unless there was an injury or something along those lines, but he could still have a very good postseason, high efficiency, and just kind of showcase his impact on winning basketball. What would that mean for him if the Nets won a championship with him playing a high level of basketball? Yeah, look, I enjoy the legacy talk because we've got three guys that are bona fide first ballot Hall of Famers. Yep. And Kyrie Irving is one of the most talented guards and I think what his legacy is going to be, Nick, is uh, I think clutch play is, is part of it. And I think yep. that you know, some people sort of say, well, you know, no player has gotten more credence and kudos for one uh, playoff playoff series than, than Kyrie Irving has. I totally disagree with that in terms of his efficiency. And I think like we alluded I mean, to earlier. It's the biggest stage and the biggest shot and the biggest game of the season. It is. So. It is. It is. And, and it's not that he hasn't performed in other postseasons as well. It's just like, yeah, I, I think that him doing some dumb things in, in Boston um, in, in the postseason against Giannis and, and such probably leaves a somewhat sour taste in your mouth. But he is an absolutely clutch performer. And I think it'll be... I mean, people look at the rings, Nick, but I don't necessarily think he needs that to enhance his legacy. Obviously, it would, you know, winning and... And, and, and making it a, a footprint. And I think it would be a disappointment if the Nets don't win one this year or next year or in his tenure as a Brooklyn Net. Um, I, I just think that his impact as and what he will be remembered as in terms of legacy and such will just be just as one of the most aesthetically pleasing players to ever step foot on the court. You know, you look at the Allen Iverson impact, you know, he, there's obviously a lot of comparisons there and the sort of cultural impact that he had on the game. I don't think Kyrie Irving has the same cultural impact because you know Allen Iverson was just the, the the style that he brought but Kyrie Irving has a, a, a he's an individual in a similar sort of way um, and that sort of individual individuality that uniqueness that he brings to not only what he does on the court but off the court as well um, is what I think he will be remembered as and if he can have another 50 40 90 season Nick I think that is uh is in another tick on his legacy because I don't know how many have done it, you know, a few times. I think KD's done it a few times. You know, Larry Bird's probably uh, one of the other guys. But if he can continue to show that level of efficiency, that probably gets added more to the narrative that we've spoken about um, that doesn't necessarily get thrown around to speak Kyrie Irving. It is more about the stuff that I alluded to in terms of just the the way that he plays the game and, and the joy uh, that he brings to, to viewers uh, of, of his game. And, Look, uh, this is for the Australian listeners out there. And for non-Australian listeners, YouTube, uh, my guy, Eddie Betts, uh, an Australian rules footballer, uh, an AFL player for, for many a teams um, who had some of the most uh, overwhelming highlights uh, for the sport that is probably one of my favourites. Um, and the way that he just made crowds smile and leave their mouths open with joy and made them cheer is a, is a comparison that I think that you know, Kyrie Irving does. So shout out to my dude, Eddie Betts, uh, and all the Americans and internationals out there. Check out some AFL. Might uh, do a Patreon AFL podcast uh, even <laughs> in the offseason. So, uh, but no, in all, in all honesty, Nick, you know, the, the joy that Kyrie Irving brings, and, and I alluded it to with my personal experience, you know, 
the uh, one thing that sticks out uh, was it the Minnesota game where he was like falling over and he like still nearly hits the the shot or was that a yeah. different performance? No, that I, was the Minnesota game. He was he is he lost the dribble, kind of fell on the ground, and then like almost still got up and hit the shot. And I mean, it hit rim. It looked like it had a possibility. So it's just kind of those type of shots. <laughs> just some of the crazy stuff we see Cam Thomas taking too. It just kind of reminds me of Kyrie in a little bit, but. Jack, kind of getting to your point on the 50-40-90, I think that's a really good point. Like, if he has two 50-40-90 seasons, you kind of are shifting to the efficiency. Like like you mentioned, I think there's a few guys, I want to say there's four guys that have had multiple 50-40-90 seasons. Add Kyrie to that list, that's a big boost for him. But I also think if the Nets, Nets were to win you know, one or two championships and he played at a high level, I think you start to look at him too as like one of the best superstar sidekicks. You know, one of the guys that like, he understands his role. He can't be your number one. But when it comes to playing in these games at a high level, there's not necessarily a ton of guys that you'd rather have. And not that I wish bad will in the Nets or any way of like, let's say James Harden's underperforming and Kyrie has to elevate to another level with Kevin Durant. I think that kind of continues to add to his case of that quote unquote clutchness or just stepping up in the big moment. And I think that's one thing about Kyrie. Yeah, there's like, like all the off the court drama, but when when games are serious and when it's like big moments, you can ex- anticipate him stepping up and taking it to the highest degree of seriousness. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think that he's done that in Brooklyn and taken that to a new level. Uh, I just think that the we he is the reason why we have Kevin Durant on this team. Let's not let make any bones about it. They wanted to play together, and Kyrie wanted to play in Brooklyn. He wanted, you know, he's the the New Jersey kid. He has the history with this team. He's family. He has family ties there. He loves watching Jason Kidd play. So we have a lot to be grateful for. You know, let alone just having Kyrie Irving on this team. Let alone the fact that he drew Kevin Durant, who Kevin Durant probably was the big draw card for James Harden. And I think it's an interesting conversation to sort of say, you know, best. Superstar sidekick sounds derivative in in some sense, but it's not because uh, I'm still calling him a superstar. <laughs> yeah, no, I- I- exactly. So, um, in, in saying that, uh, I just love uh, he's in that conversation with you know Anthony Davis, Paul George, um, these sort of guys as being you know the the best um, number two, number two A, two B, whatever you want to call, um, and that is no small feat. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, it's going to be really fun. Hopefully all the -the off-the-court stuff gets settled and we can just kind of enjoy another season of Kyrie Irving. But, Jack, we did get some breaking news. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I just saw the Blitz Report notification, Nick. I'm, I'm, I'm confused by it. Maybe you could explain it to me. So it looks like there was multiple trades. Pretty much at the end of the day, the Nets traded Sekou Demboya to the Rockets for him to be waived. They acquired another second-round pick from the Pacers by picking up Edmund Sumner and then waiving him as well. So um, pretty much nothing, just pretty much a way for the Nets to save money while waiving Sekou in the process. Yeah, I mean, it was probably a discussion point in the season preview that we won't have to, to really touch on anymore in terms of like, you know, that 15th roster spot, you know, Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry, all these sort of guys. Now it's just like, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed because, you know, I was uh, a, a, a certified Seku stand, um, but I'll be following him where he does go. And obviously the the money, because obviously I think it was like four or five million dollars uh, that he would have had to been paid because of his status uh, as a lottery pick. Yeah, it says that the Nets save $8 million by going this route. So, yeah, obviously, and I I think that the nice little addition there is getting the second rounder because uh, they lost a few in that DeAndre trade. So just adding a few more assets, uh, a little savvy trade from from Sean Marks, but 
Seth, thank you. I'll be watching him. It's weird how like we we form such immediate ties to players and fall in love with them in such weird ways. Like you know, obviously D'Lo and, and Jared Allen and stuff. But you know, I I, I was a Seku fan. I like what he did in that in that Lakers performance. And um, obviously he's got the the ties to Kevin Durant too, the friendship there. So um, I, I he deserves a spot on some NBA roster. If there's a way that the Nets can get him back and you know they want to buy out someone else, then please do it. Um, but wherever he is. Saiku, I'll be watching. Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, the Nets traded one second-round pick to get rid of Saiku, and they also acquired one in the Edmund Southerner trade. So it's kind of like a one-for-one situation. They're obviously different picks. We also just got a tweet from Woj. Maybe we're getting a little lucky. Obviously, we had some bad luck today, but that's beside the point. Uh, Woj tweeted, the Brooklyn Nets remain unclear on all-star guard Kyrie Irving's ultimate intentions to get vaccinated, have made no decision on whether organization will accommodate him as a part-time player this season. Story soon on ESPN. So... Uh, it seems that obviously this is a Kyrie Irving preview. We still doesn't really give us a definitive answer. Still kind of up in the air, and obviously the Nets haven't decided how they're going to react to the situation if it doesn't go their way. The fact that Woj tweets it though, Nick, um, is something that doesn't fill me with a, a lot of confidence. And the fact that when when Woj does drop his bombs, what he says and how he says it. Um, is is like you know the wording of it and such is is what you got to read into and Warriors ties you know I'm pretty sure he's got you know, him and Sean Marks are, are, are pretty close so I, I would assume this is coming from the front office. Yep. Um, I think that there this might be a, a a tactic to somewhat pressure Kyrie Irving to get the goddamn shot. Um, now how that all pans out um, and what that what his status is going forward. Look, um, him being a part-time NBA player, the fact that that was even used is, I would, uh, I, I wouldn't be happy with that. You know, if he's if he's getting paid part-time money, then okay, whatever. Like you get twenty million dollars or your forty million dollars. If you're willing to sacrifice that for you know not getting the shot, then fine. But you are not getting paid forty million dollars to play forty-one games. Like that's just not the way it is. You know, as much as Andrew Wiggins didn't want to take the shot, he did because. The dude knew the the financial ramifications of it, um, so I think that how this pans out, Nick, um, we might uh, I'm sure we'll be doing some sort of news buzz in the coming coming days, and by the time we're doing probably the preseason game and recap and that one, we might have some more news. But uh, I'm not the the biggest fan of it, but yeah, I think you can probably judge by my sighing and groaning reaction about how I feel. I think that that says more than probably words uh, can. Yeah, I think this is pretty much the Nets applying some pressure here. Like you mentioned, Jack, I think this is from the front office saying it's kind of unclear. The Nets need an answer and that they might not accommodate him if he decides he wants to go that part-time route. And we really have no idea how that's going to go. Obviously, Players Association and things along those lines in the NBA. And He's in not, the play. He's the, he's the yeah. VP of the Players Association. So there's obviously going to be some discussion there in terms of the money amount and things along those lines. So really sticky situation. Hopefully it's resolved by the next time we podcast. I can't even celebrate that I was correct over Sekou not making the team. Not that I don't want anyone to make an NBA team, but I just thought DeAndre Bembray was going to be the guy. Now we have to worry about this Kyrie stuff. Um, and like you said, you know, we'll be jumping onto it soon as we get some more finalized information and you can look out for more podcasts this week. But Jack, always a pleasure, even when we're talking about things that we don't want to talk about. And big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.